Welcome to the Grow People podcast. I have no idea what episode this is. <laughs> Pastor Jason, of course, uh, on his sabbatical, uh, but the podcast continues, as does everything in the life of the church. My name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location. And of course, the purpose of the Grow People podcast is to grow people. That would be a great opportunity for you to yell grow people. But grow you didn't, people! But, but you didn't even know that. So I'm new here. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll introduce that voice in just a second. <laughs> As Pastor Jason sabbaticals, uh, we hope you're uh, doing the things that he asked you to do uh, before he left. Uh, one was pray for him and his family, uh, pray for the church, and show up. Stay engaged uh, with the church. Serve, give, um, gather together. Uh, and that was one of the things years ago, somebody sent me an article, 11 ways to encourage your pastor. And number one was pray for him. Number two was show up. And that's, that's important because we, we don't plan these things to get together as this little club. Mm -hmm. uh, we plan these things with the expectation that God is going to move when people show up. So there you go. Joining us in the podcast today, not unlike Paul Richardson, who joined us last time, uh, this guy is family, uh, just like Paul. Uh, he preached here during Abide this year. He leads a church plant that Revolution is supporting in Johns Creek. It's called Hope Church. They've already planted two churches out of Hope Church. It's their heart to plant churches. It's our heart to plant churches. So it's a pretty good match. So yeah. please welcome uh, once again to Revolution Church, Pastor Chris Renfro. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, that was the voice that you heard at the beginning who did not say grow people, but I really didn't give you a tutorial on oh, that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we can go back. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow, grow people. people. See? He's, I got it. You're I'm in, in now. You're a natural. You're a natural. <laughs> uh, we're, we're excited to have you come in and preach this weekend. It is the summer of parables. Uh, you've got a, a parable planned for us this week, as all the pastors who have preached uh, during the sabbatical have had. But I do have to say this, um, and this is not the first time I've met Chris. We've met many times. We've been to events. Uh, he was here for Abide. We've spoken on the phone, walks into my office. First thing out of his mouth is, is, is well, it's a slam of Clemson. It wasn't the first thing, but it was pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was, it, what was that about? It, it, who do you root for? Well, I married into a South Carolina Gamecock family. So, uh, yeah, it was and I lived in Columbia for four years. Our guest has been uh, Chris Renfro. Yeah, uh, and, here we go. Uh, so, I'm pretty sure, didn't we beat Clemson, though, last year? Wow. That, wow. I think that's what happened. Wow. So. You know, when it happens so rarely, <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess yeah, you do have to remember. Say. Yeah, that's what they always that say. That was the only place that I was ever spit on uh, <laughs> was um, – Williams Bryce Stadium. That sounds about right. Yeah, I was I was there uh, hosting the pregame show for Clemson. Now it's my fault because I'm I'm in the I'm in the team gear. Mm -hmm. I'm all, I'm in orange and purple, and it was a night game. So it's a Saturday night. I had just started as associate campus pastor in Jasper, so I had to be at that campus at six a.m. Oh, for for load in. So I figured I got a five and a half hour drive back. It's already eight thirty. At, at night, Saturday night, so I, I better get on the road. I'm leaving Williams-Brice when everybody else is coming in. Oh, man. It's night game. 
the, the people in Colombia may have been drinking. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, I didn't know you were a Gamecock fan. Yeah, well, wow. married, like I said, I'm married in. So I, my wife and I have a deal. I actually grew up in the Midwest in Kansas City, so mm-hmm. I grew up a Kansas Jayhawk fan. Okay. So uh, she cheers for the Jayhawks in basketball, okay. and I cheer for the Gamecocks in football, and that's our deal. All so right. they never really have to face each other. Knowing knowing now that you cheer for the Gamecocks, your Clemson comments were mild. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to take it easy on you, but I did notice all the swag, man. So. Yeah, there, there's there's some swag. I, I should have opened up that jar of confetti <laughs> from the 2016 <laughs> National Championship. You know what it smells like? Oh, I'm sure it smells like winning. It smells, yeah. like, it smells like beating Alabama. That's what, <laughs> that's what it smells like. <laughs> you get a little closer to the microphone. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Um, second question as we start the podcast, and I asked Paul Richardson this is, this question, and I will be asking our student ministers, uh, Dave and Jeremy, this question today. It's theological. Uh, it's pretty deep. Um, how do you feel about Whataburger? <laughs> See? Yeah. Yeah. Careful, careful with your answer. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. All right. It's the okay of burgers. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. Pastor Jason being from Texas. Yeah. What a burger is His biblical. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like, you know, Five Guys, Smash Burger, those, those kinds of burgers. Have you done the one in Roswell, uh, Shake Shack? Uh, yeah. It's a very good burger. Yeah. 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 I like Shake Shack. Okay. Right. But I mean, I made a comment when I was here to Bide about my favorite pizza, which is a restaurant in Alpharetta mm-hmm. called Crust Pizza. Yeah. And everybody out here hated it. They were like, that's the worst pizza. So really? maybe there's just something different about us over on that side of town in our taste buds. You know, if, to, you, if you're at Crushed, you can go a mile further and go to Antico. You, both are great. Both, okay. I will say, both okay. are great. Okay, but, I'm not anti-Crust. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, just, I was shocked with how many people dislike Crust. So it just, it's got to be something in the water over there. I'm not, not an anti-Crustite. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, so let, <laughs> let's get into the podcast today. What's your story? What? How did? How did Jesus? First, how did Jesus change your life? Yeah, what did yeah. that look like? So appreciate you asking. I grew up in a, a great uh, family that loved Jesus and served the church. Uh, my dad served in bivocational ministry a good chunk of my life, and uh, just taught us uh, the the gospel and about the Lord. And I remember it was actually on my eighth birthday. I remember exactly where I was in, in my room and. I had heard all the stories about Jesus. Uh, my sister had actually accepted Christ, and I just came to this realization that I've never done that. I've never placed my faith in Jesus, and I know all the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know who he is, and I know right. what he did. And so I remember being in my room, and my mom came in. My parents would you know, come in and pray with me before bed every night and just remember asking my mom, you know, how do I accept Jesus? Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad came in, and they sat down and explained the gospel, and that was really the start of my walk with the Lord. I mean, I was eight years old and got baptized soon after that. And uh, it was really when I got into high school that you kind of have to start making mm-hmm. decisions. Like, sure. am I going to follow Jesus or I'm going to follow friends right. in the crowd? And that was an opportunity where I got really plugged into my student ministry, uh, a church that I grew up in in Kansas City, and just had a student pastor that began to mentor me and invest mm-hmm. in me and... Um, Kind of coming out of that, I, I had felt called to ministry a summer going into high school uh, that summer at a camp and went and told my student pastor, hey, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. Wow. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what mm-hmm. it looks like. 
but that's what I want to do. And uh, so really all through high school, just served my church, interned, stacked chairs, swept the floor, Mm -hmm. just did anything and everything I could. And I just loved the church. I just loved being at church. I loved the people at our church. I spent every waking hour I could just Mm -hmm. at my church. I I tell our church this, I hope church all the time. Like I I love the church. I'm a, I'm a church on vacation type of person. Yes. Yes. Amen. I love to go to church. I love to see what other churches are doing. I love to sit under preaching and I love to preach. And so that really began to form for me in high school. And Mm -hmm. so I went to Bible college in Kansas city and interned with my church there and then moved out to Southeastern to do uh, my master's degree and that's where I met my wife. And so out of that, we uh, felt called to student ministry and served in a student ministry in Columbia, South Carolina for four years, and then mm-hmm. came here to Georgia. So I was in student ministry here for a little bit, and then uh, was an executive pastor, and then we planted. So so there are other saved Gamecock fans? A few of them. Okay. A few, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good to know. I mean, um, I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when did the... When did that bug to plant a church as a senior pastor, as a lead pastor hit? Yeah, I, I never really wanted to plant a church. Uh, I, That's I, what Paul Richardson said. <laughs> I never wanted to. Um, I was terrified to plant a church. I remember I was sitting across the table from some friends and a couple of the elders when I was serving as an executive pastor, and we were talking about planting churches and things, and one of the guys looked across the table at me and he said, you know, Chris... You can preach, and you're you're like you're great. Like, why don't you plant a church? And I was angry. I was like, why don't you plant a church? <laughs> right. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know what you should. Do. <laughs> yeah. And um, the Lord really just kind of used that conversation, and then a good bit of time to burden me for our community. And we've lived over in the Johns Creek area and kind of the east side of 400 uh, ever since we've been here for the past almost 10 years, and started just driving around and seeing some of the demographics and seeing the percentage of growth in our community and no new churches. Uh, on our side of town, there hadn't been a new church planted in over 20 years. Hmm. And you just, you know, you start going to your coffee shop that you've been to a hundred times and going to those restaurants that you go to all the time. And you start to see people and started to see our neighbors and realizing that they're not going to drive 35 minutes to go to church in Roswell or right. somewhere else, but there's not many options for them right here. And um, so I remember where I was sitting and I was in my car on the road. And I remember just the Lord putting Luke 10 to in my heart, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest uh, to send out laborers into the harvest. And I just remember thinking, you know, I may not be the best labor on paper. I may not be the world's best church planter uh, or the most gifted, but I'm a laborer, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'll do my best and I'll trust mm-hmm. the Lord with the rest. And so went and told my wife, you know, I think, I think God's calling us to plant a church and she was supportive and on board. And so was that her first reaction? No, no, not at all. She's like, I don't think we're supposed to do that. <laughs> so uh, I came back to her later. I was like, no, nah, I think we are. And she's like, all right, well, we'll do it. And uh, that was when we really went. I'll actually remember I, on Amazon, I bought a stack of poker chips and I went and I like came and put the poker chips on the table, slid them, slid them across and said, we're all in, like we're burning the <laughs> ships. We're going all in. And, uh, and we did, we went all in and that was actually in, uh, February of 2020 was when we started our first 
community group. And so we mm. were ready and on fire. Yeah. What, and, what happened the next month? Yeah. Then March hit. Yeah. And that the world shut mm-hmm. down. So it was pretty wild. Uh, I remember we started that group in our home, took a break for a little bit, and then just kind of started regathering. And it was crazy over that season. Uh, grew to about 35 young professionals just in our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, delayed our launch a little bit, but it was just a really neat season for our church to uh, love one another, grow, build community. Mm-hmm. And then we started some preview services in April of 2021. And uh, I've just been off to the races ever since. You know, it sounds so much like what Pastor Paul was talking about in his sermon, where he began with the things we say to God we would never do. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I will never plant a church. Mm-hmm. He said it, you said it. And then the kicker to his message was the three words that change everybody's life is saying to God, whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that moment for me where I was just, I couldn't shake it, you know, and I knew, I, I felt like it just felt really hard to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought there's a lot of other things that I can do for the kingdom that seem a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And like, why does it have to be me to right. step out and do this? And I just remember a moment where I really felt like in my heart and the Holy Spirit, just kind of put in my heart, like, you know, if you really want to do something great for the kingdom, you have to be willing to do hard things for the kingdom. Yes. And it puts us in a place of dependence and desperation. I actually talk about that a little bit in the sermon of like, I don't know if I have many great skills, but I do have the skill of like being desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I've felt so much in planting a church that you just have to be desperate. And it's so cool to see when you really are, um, the Lord show up in really, really neat ways. And so there's a lot of things that I never thought we would have or do or be able to do in such a short period of time where the Lord has just perfectly provided the right person, the right resources, the right building, uh, just at the perfect exact time when we needed it. One of our elders, uh, just this was a couple of weeks ago, we I'd been praying for something, and I stopped, and I talked to him, and I was like, man, we just really need to pray for this. And within a week, that prayer was, I would say, I mean, in a pretty r- miraculous way answered. And uh, he, I was calling him, telling him, and he said, man, he's like, what is it like to just have God like show up at the last minute all the time. And my, my gut level response was, it's very stressful, you yeah. know, because <laughs> uh, it feels like God's never early. Like, God, why don't you just be early? But, you know, he's forcing us to trust him and building that dependence. Mm. And, uh, and I've just seen that in my life time and time again. And I've learned those lessons that have grown my faith in ways that I never would have if we didn't step out and start a, start a new work. Uh, well, trust him. You know, Revolution has been praying for you um, since before you asked us to pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> and when you were here at Abide, you asked us to specifically pray for a location yeah. for Hope Church to meet in a specific area. Yeah. Uh, first, you were asking, uh, "Hey, pray, pray for something, you know, in the Roswell area or the Johns Creek area." Yeah. And then you were specifically saying east of four hundred. <laughs> Uh, what has happened since then? So it was really cool. In uh, 2021, we, we've we started, and prayer is just a, a part of our culture. And so each year, wanted, we do 28 days of prayer, and we take the month of February, focus on prayer, do uh, prayer as a church, preach on prayer, and just trying to really instill a heart of prayer. And then we have some very specific things we're praying for. So uh, in 2022, 
we did that and top of our list was that we were praying for a building. Mm-hmm. And so I just had our church like we're praying for a building. Uh, we were in a temporary location doing set up and tear down and a, a, a church approached us and wanted to just give us their building. And it was in Roswell, which was about 40 minutes from where I live, 35, 40 minutes. And uh, we said, okay, uh, but m- the vast majority of our people live in uh, Johns Creek, east side of 400. And so we said, we'll take it and our hearts to plant churches. So we'll try to plant a church out there. And we did, and they uh, they gave us their building. And uh, it's, I'll tell you about it in a minute, but that church is getting ready to launch. And so we came back this year, and I came to our church, and I told Revolution, uh, I said, you know, this this February we're praying that the Lord would give us a building on the east side of 400. We're praying much more specifically. Uh, but one of the coolest things is right after I preached uh, at Abide, there was a church in our community on the east side of 400 called Union Hill Church that reached out to us and uh, wanted to talk about merging. And uh, we spent February, March, April in conversation with them and then actually did. We uh, have had our fifth Sunday there as Hope Church Union Hill and it's been incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. The past five weeks have been the five highest attended Sundays in the history of our church. Uh, we've seen baptisms. Just this last Sunday, we had um, we tripled the size of our children's ministry, and it's just been incredible. Uh, and then our third Sunday, we were able to send out that church plant that's getting ready to go to uh, to Roswell called Willio River Church. So they're getting ready to plant out there. So it's it's fascinating to me that before you even had a building. Hope Church had planted two churches. Yeah. And yeah. and I know that's your heart. I want to ask since, you know, our heart is church planting mm-hmm. and the mission of revolution is love Jesus grow people, but the vision is planting churches that plant churches. Um, you know, going from 3 to 5 uh, uh, levels levels of churches, not numbers of churches. So when when you were instilling that culture into Hope Church, how did that play out? You know, I don't know that I'd say that, like, that we just had some strategy to like instill this into our culture or anything like that. I think it's just been so on our heart that we wanted to be a multiplying church, and that was just in my DNA that mm-hmm. if I were to start a church and you sit down and you dream about, okay, if we're going to start a church, what is it going to be like? What do we want to do? What's important to us? And so from day one, you know, we said our mission is that we exist to make and send disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be all about. Mm-hmm. And it's a great commission, but yeah. we want to make disciples, and then we want those disciples to be sent out and yes. to live on mission. And so that's, Excellent. that may be across the street, across the across your desk. Um, it may be across the field at the ball field mm-hmm. or across the world. Yep. And that, that may mean leaving our church to go plant more churches because we really do believe that the best way to reach our community and to push back lostness is by starting more churches. Uh, and we've seen that in our church, that it's a great, great way to grow the kingdom, invite others in who live in local communities. And so from day one, I just said, we're going to be about church planting. Uh, our very first Sunday, we started supporting a church plant in Puerto Rico and started talking about that. They launched the same day we did. And uh, mm-hmm. we just started supporting them financially and sending mission teams. And I just told our church, this is what we're going to be about. And so kind of I felt like the Lord put this vision on my heart that the first 10 years of our church, like what would we want to do? Well, if we're going to plant more churches, we're going to send people, we need to raise up pastors and missionaries. So I said, you know, my dream would be if we could raise up 15 pastors and missionaries, people that we pay to go 
to seminary, people that feel called to ministry. And so we often talk about calling to ministry and is God calling you to mm-hmm. to serve in ministry, maybe part-time or full-time or go on the mission field. And so we're raising up. We now have four that have felt called to ministry that we're supporting or going to seminary. And then we want to support church plants. And so for us, that means that we've identified somebody that's like-minded that wants to partner with us and we partner with and we support them financially and pray for them and send teams and so the church in Puerto Rico, Missio Day was one of those, and uh, started supporting them and sending teams there. And then out of that, I uh, had a dear friend that uh, just felt called to plant a church as well, and his name was Carlos Guevara, and uh, he felt called to plant a church in the Buford area called Somos Ecclesia, and uh, we said, man, come on. And so he, he worked with us for about the first year and did a residency with us, and then September 11th of 2022... They went out to plant uh, a church in Buford, and they're doing an incredible job. Uh, and then we had a guy on our staff team that felt called to plant a church uh, named Tyler, and then we had just been given this building in Roswell. And so he began the process of going through assessment and training and had finished seminary. And so uh, he just kind of has reached that stage where they've built a team, and then they're you know getting ready to go launch a church uh, out in Roswell, and they have a building and kind of set. And so, But I've just told our church, I said, listen, uh, and I say this often, I've, I've said it just two weeks ago, um, I've never heard of a church dying because it gave away too much. Mm. But wouldn't it be something to be the first? Yeah. You know, like, it would be awesome. Like, that would be a one way to go. It would be like, we just outgave God. You know, yeah. we actually did it. And, uh, and, I, and we've learned and seen, like, everything we've given, the Lord has replaced and multiplied. And it's just, um, it's just the most fun thing. I like to... Like, I like to have fun at church. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think it's yes. just yes. It's more fun when it's fun yeah. and you're doing things for the kingdom. Yeah. And it's not just about you and right. it's not just about our gathering. There are incredible churches all across our community and all across the world meeting in homes, meeting in small buildings, meeting in big buildings. And so we are for the big C church. We're for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't think we've got the grasp on the gospel. We don't think we're, you know, God's plan A. Like, the church is God's plan A. Right, and we're just one little tiny piece of that. And so, if he can use us to help others, or support others, or encourage others, um, man, that's that's the greatest thing that we could ever dream of being a part of. So that's inspiring and encouraging. And uh, I I want our people here at Revolution Church, God's people at Revolution, to hear that. To there used to be a a, a phrase, baseball fever, catch it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Church planting fever, catch it. Yeah, um, that just that that vision of hey, wouldn't it be great if we went out of business because we gave too much? Mm-hmm. And there's there really is nothing greater. Like there's nothing greater than, and it feels so simple mm-hmm. uh, to go serve a church plan or help a church plan or, or be there for a Sunday or for a season, um, but you, you just don't realize how much of an impact it really does mm-hmm. make in that planter's life and that person's life and in mm-hmm. the kingdom when you're just willing to like give a little bit of yourself, a little bit of your time or your resources to help something new get started. Yeah. I'll tell you a story just from two weeks ago. Um, you know, I'd said, what's it like to have God show up at the last minute every time, uh, even just, and he, Jason doesn't even know this, but uh, he was an answer to one of those prayer requests mm-hmm. just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was praying very specifically for some, a need that we had in our church. And I was talking again to that same elder friend about it. And uh, I remember just kind of making this, like making a kind of a jokey comment and a jokey prayer uh, about like, all right, Lord, you know, provide that. 
and um, and I felt really convicted. And I, I called my friend back, and I said, man, the Lord's provided even crazier stuff for us, and we really do need to ask that he would provide. And I, like, I felt convicted about it. And so we stopped, and we took a few minutes, and we prayed. And uh, within two days, Jason had actually texted me, and he's like, hey, man, do you need anything? Can we help you with anything? <laughs> and I was like, yes, uh, actually, we do. And it was just this great reminder and moment mm-hmm. that, like, Prayer actually works. Yes. And the Lord hears and the Lord cares. And the Lord is waiting for us to ask of him. And then he's most oftentimes put people around you that have like the answers to those prayer requests yes. to help. And uh it's just it's just been so, so cool to be the beneficiaries of that. Uh, but then also to get to be the ones to like be the blessing to others, mm. even in a short season, you know, in a church plant. So Amazing. And one of the things that, and I'm glad you brought that up uh, toward the end of our interview, because I wanted to come back to the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got a chance to spend an entire day, uh, I don't know, 15 hours with three guys with 30 plus years of ministry experience, 40 plus years probably of ministry experience. And so I'm in the car with him for at least 10 hours. And I asked each of them uh, the question, okay, so you've got 31 years at this church as senior pastor, 31 years at this ministry, 31 years doing what you've done. What do you wish you would have known at year six? Because I'm in year six. Mm -hmm. And they all said the same answer. And I asked them independently. They didn't hear the answer from each other. They wish they would have prayed more Mm -hmm. at year six. And, And one guy specifically said, Pray more, study less. Nothing yeah. wrong with studying. We, yeah. we have to study to prepare for our sermons, but uh, pray more and study less. And I, and I thought that that's what I needed to hear. Um, and of course, you know, almost 62. I don't know how much longer I have <laughs> on earth, let alone in ministry. So I want to make sure that every moment counts. Uh, so that was really good. And of course, to hear your stories of the power of prayer is really important. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to our staff team a a lot about that and just like, I don't know if there's anything more important or more valuable we can do than just pray. Yeah. And I've seen it time and time again. It's almost laughable to be like, we're a church plant that has been given two buildings in less than two years. Mm -hmm. And we like gave one of them away. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, like the Lord's just, just provided time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I just often tell our team like, I think there's nothing, there's nothing, no plans, no other thing that we can do more valuable right now than just pray. Right. And uh, so, I, and even I feel convicted. I want to spend more time in prayer. Sure. Uh, it's easy to just, you know, get in our own minds and our own power and mm-hmm. our own plans and all that. Uh, and the Lord's just waiting to, to give us what we need mm-hmm. at just the right time as we ask him to do it. Pastor Chris, uh, coming in this weekend, and if you're listening to this next week, he came in last weekend <laughs> to preach out of Luke. Uh, which parable are you preaching? Luke 7, the parable of the two debtors. And so it's that story uh, where Jesus is at a dinner with a Pharisee named Simon, mm-hmm. and a lady comes in and starts washing his feet yep. with her tears and uh, drying them with her hair and pours out the ointment. And uh, you know the Pharisee's kind of judging not only her, but also Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus sees his heart and tells that story of, 
two debtors, one who I who owed five hundred nari and the other fifty, and said which one will love him more. Right. And he says, you know, the one I suppose whom he canceled a larger debt. And so we're going to talk uh, in this sermon about Jesus loves sinners. Yes. And uh, I've been so convicted and so reminded of that that it's not he didn't come for the didn't come for the righteous came for the sick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a uh, it's not the healthy who need a physician. Right. But it's the sick. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think he said there in that Matthew. A passage uh, where he said, go and learn what, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so um just constantly reminded of that. I hope it's a great en- encouragement to those who hear um, that Jesus loves sinners. Yes. And our our job is to recognize our need for him mm-hmm. and to recognize our sin. And, and that's good because that's how we started the summer, uh, talking about what is a parable, why does Jesus speak in parables, and to think about... Jesus's invitation at the end of John to sit around the charcoal fire and just spend time with him. This is us sitting and spending time with Jesus as he explains some theological truths in a way that is very understandable. That's Mm -hmm. why he tells us these stories. So once again, we get to sit in the arms of Jesus and hear the parable of the two debtors this week with Chris Renfro. Thank you for uh, getting here early yeah. and uh, spending some time and doing the Grow People podcast. Coming up in just a, a couple of moments, uh, we're going to be joined by our student ministers, uh, Dave Arbogast from Canton, and we'll also talk to Jeremy Whitehead, our student minister in Jasper. You're listening to the Grow People podcast. Pastor Chris, um, the invitation to our listeners and to our people here at Revolution is to continue to pray for Hope Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, how do you want us to pray for you? Because we don't we don't pray random prayers anymore. We're I mean, you want <laughs> very specific. These, these are east of four hundred <laughs> prayers. Absolutely. No, I love that. Well, first, let me just take a moment and just say thank you. Uh, Revolution just feels like family, and just a, the short amount of time that I've been able to spend with you all. Uh, and Pastor Jason has become a dear friend and mentor to me mm-hmm. and uh, has just spoken a lot of great encouragement and truth into my life. And so just thank you for the investment. And I would ask you just to continue to pray. We've got a lot of things that we need to figure out here in the days ahead, particularly parking. And so uh, that's the one thing that as our church has grown uh, very, very quickly, we're, we've run out of parking. And so we're figuring out how to transport people and golf carts and mm-hmm. trying to build a bigger parking lot and all that stuff that I've never done before. No, have no idea how to do. Uh, but yeah, kind of, kind of transition is like some figuring out some building projects and some of that stuff that we're going to need to do just to maximize the space in the days ahead. And so we just really asked that you would pray for wisdom, uh, pray for favor as we are going to probably have to be going to the city to figure out permitting and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff to build bigger parking lots and everything. And so, those would be the next steps of prayer for our church. And then that we just send well yeah. uh, as we prepare to send Willio River uh, as they launch this fall. Just pray for them, and we'll have uh, about 20 to 25 people leaving our church to go and start a new church in Roswell. So pray for them. Pray for Somos Ecclesia out in Buford and for Carlos Guevara as he is pastoring and growing a church out there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for the uh, specific prayer prompts. Uh, we will do that. And and I hope you just saw that the gospel brings people together, mm-hmm. even South Carolina and Clemson mm, fans. Absolutely. And if, if the gospel can unite those two <laughs> schools, the gospel can do anything. That's right. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, looking forward to uh, hearing your messages this weekend. Thanks, man.
And now joining us on the Grow People podcast, as we shift from Chris Renfro, uh, we are joined by our student ministers from Jasper. How about that Jeremy Whitehead? Hey. That's you. Uh, and from Canton. How about that Dave Arbogast? Uh, welcome to the Grow People podcast. It was fun hearing from Chris. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing him speak this weekend. So, I mean, I asked Chris, I asked Paul Richardson a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'd be remiss if I did not start this segment with, what do you think of Whataburger? Uh, Jeremy? I have had Whataburger. I've enjoyed it. Um, it's not my personal favorite. I'm probably not going to go out of my way to go get it, but I'll have it again. And those are all the comments that I have. Enjoyed it. I'll have it again. <laughs> That's our takeaway. Enjoyed it. I'll have it again. Dr. Arbogast. I, I somewhat agree. We we had a lot of Whataburger in South Florida, mm-hmm. uh, but I never chose to go to it. Huh. it. It was not a it was not a top choice. So were you more of a checkers guy? I probably have had more checkers than, than Whataburger, which that's a bad choice. Okay, that's All a right. bad choice. Okay. I would also have mm-hmm. checkers over those fries. The fries are good. Okay, well. Yeah. Um, we will be sending out uh, a, a job description on uh, social media for student minister. That's fair. Um, That's fair. <laughs> no, it, I appreciate your um, your honesty, your understanding of the context that that you don't want to trash Whataburger. What with our lead pastor being such a Whataburger fan, want to support him, but you want to support him, but you don't want to. Lie to the listeners. That's right. Okay, there you yeah. go. Very good. Um, you guys still have that that new mission camp smell. That's <laughs> <laughs> not a good smell. I, I feel like we haven't scrubbed off the the mission camp smell. It's yeah. more like that. It, yeah. it was a wildly successful mission camp, mm-hmm. um, and I only got a chance to be there for an afternoon, so I, I have no context for how the rest of the week went. We did see the video. We saw the testimonies from the students. It was incredible. Um, Give me some highlights. I mean, there. so we had quite a few cool experiences there. Uh, we had a number of students uh, t- share the gospel with kids and other people at their mission sites, which was such a cool thing that we got to hear from students that they were on mission. Mm-hmm. They were living life on mission yep. while at their mission mm-hmm. sites, and they took that opportunity to be able to not only teach the Bible story that they were doing, but they would also push the gospel mm-hmm. in there as well. And and kids got saved, and That's that awesome. was that was really really cool to see our students not just learn about the gospel, but go out and and spread it. Mm-hmm. That was cool, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, so many awesome awesome stories at our mission sites. I think some of the the coolest things I saw happen were one. There's a site we were at last year and it's a christ community church the Mm -hmm. pastor uh mark had uh diagnosed with cancer just shortly before we got there last year Mm -hmm. has been battling it this year we're really excited to go back and we get there on the first day uh we're going there to serve him and when we get there he has food set up he has a slideshow of pictures that he took personally Mm. from the group that was there last year and he has Mm. them playing on a slideshow about all that they did and how excited he was for them to be there. And, and when you're talking about like making an impact, mm. like that made a difference for wow. 
for him and what he's doing. We were able to do a lot of cool stuff there. Um, so many cool stories. So God moving in a lot of people's lives, God using people. I think that was just like Dave was talking about uh, them sharing the gospel maybe for the very first time and and them seeing that regardless of their level of knowledge, regardless of um, their personal relationship with God right at that moment that God was still able to to use them mm-hmm. and that was right. spurring their faith on and mm-hmm. pushing them to, to grow. Uh, probably my other favorite story was uh, a student who was not able to afford to go to camp. And uh, her parents said, hey, you're going to have to work to get the money for this. And she went to her bosses and said, hey, I need to raise. So uh, they logically asked why. And she said, hey, I'm trying to go to this camp. This is what we're doing there. We're going to go serve people. Mm -hmm. And her bosses were so moved by her story that they paid for her to go to camp. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And then even as we were on the way back, I think it was just articulated really well. We kind of saw it in a group text. She was saying, the reason I believe God moved my boss's heart for me to come here was so I could share the gospel with the kid and he could know about Jesus. Yeah. And so, and just that perspective was awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, I think my microphone just one, two. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I, I moved it and something shifted. You would think after 34 years in broadcasting, I wouldn't touch the microphone while I'm talking. <laughs> well, no, just like th- the spirit moved. And hearts were shifted at mission camp. Yes, they were. (laughs) Uh, Those are some incredible stories coming out of mission camp. Uh, Not your first rodeo with mission camp, not your first rodeo with students, obviously. What what are you seeing in our culture today, 2023, that is different from the challenges our students are facing maybe five years ago or even three years ago? I, I mean, three years ago, there were a lot of different challenges with 2020. There, there were. And, and so... Well, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so I think connection yeah. is, a, is a big thing that is mm-hmm. lacking nowadays in just being connected on a real level. Mm-hmm. And authenticity is something that we've talked about a lot that students crave. Mm. Uh, I think that that is one of the biggest things, even if they don't know it or acknowledge it, what we've seen is that when you're authentic with a student... Mm-hmm they respond Mm. in an authentic way. Mm. And so I think having those connections and being able to encourage those connections, not just with leaders, but even among students to where they can feel like they are connected to each other Mm -hmm. and that they are uh, able to be real with one another and encourage one another, not only in their, uh, in their daily lives, but in their spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. I think if we can get there, if we can encourage students to be united together, that would be a, a really big thing that we could do. Jeremy? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's new. I think it's the, you see it all throughout scripture, uh, but just uh, the influence that culture has on students, especially as social media has mm-hmm. grown. I think that's the maybe the different aspect of what part of culture is influencing right. it. but. Mm-hmm. Uh, from social media, Instagram, TikTok videos, and you see uh, students getting sound bites and just believing everything that they hear is yeah. true yeah. Uh, and not uh, digging in for themselves and, and things. And so you have people deconstructing their faith over one minute TikTok <laughs> sound bites and them just believing it. Mm. Uh, and so, and not really uh, asking questions and, and 
critically thinking for themselves. And so I think for us to be able to to stand there and and challenge some of those ideas and, and point them to say, hey, where 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 are you getting your truth from? And and ask the questions. What what is what is truth? Where That's do good. we define it at? Mm. And that we can point them back to Jesus in all those moments. That's really good. Really good. Uh, one uh, group that I would like to single out from Mission Camp, and it always just amazes me: the faithfulness of the team members and group leaders. Yeah, these are adults with jobs, with families, and they take a week off from their job. They take their vacation time to go pour into these students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are incredible. the The responsibilities that we are asking them to uphold uh, are immense mm-hmm. in in some cases of making sure that our 234 i think students or 32 students that we bring are where they need to be when they need to be there uh, that's a huge responsibility to put on team members mm-hmm. to say hey you're not only going to take a week off of work but now you're going to have to make sure that these kids survive <laughs> and, <laughs> and are where they're supposed to be and so uh, the fact that we have so many of them that do that and do it so well and while investing in students, not just as a disciplinary, you know, uh, stick mm-hmm. hitting them over the head with, with this is where you need to be, but investing in them, developing a relationship and being able to pour into them, they do that so well. And we've seen fruit from that. Even this year at mission camp, mm-hmm. uh, there's a story of, there's a, there was a leader that, wasn't sure if he was making an impact on a particular student and went through the whole week, ended up saying, uh, you know, I think we made some progress because he, he took his hoodie off at one point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so there was some progress, mm-hmm. but then uh, that student texted him mm-hmm. after mission camp and said, hey, can you be my small group leader next year? Incredible. Yeah, and, and you referenced that in your sermon on Father's Day of the need for spiritual fathers in people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, we get to, when and I say we get to, officiate a lot of funerals. And so many times somebody will speak and talk about how the deceased was a spiritual mentor in their lives from 20, 30, 40, 50 years earlier. And so uh, don't, don't miss the impact that you can have right now. And then that's why you know we ended the the gatherings with an action step of, hey, maybe you want to sign up and go through Welcome Track and become a small group leader in yep. students. Become a uh, a group leader on Sundays or Wednesday or Thursdays with kids. Um, good stuff. Yeah. So what's next for students this summer? So uh, we are starting our uh, summer nights, which – uh, is why I'm so colorfully dressed tonight <laughs> is a Hawaiian theme. Okay. And All so right. uh, oh, those are flamingos if you're not watching mm-hmm. on uh, on the YouTube. And palm trees. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we have a fun things uh, every week just to have mm-hmm. something fun. And then over the summer, we're going through the book of Philippians in a series we're calling uh, United. And so uh, just going through the book of Philippians and seeing Paul's passion for the gospel and passion for. Uh, the people of God uh, and the way that they love each other and how uh, the way that we interact with each other and the mission that we're on is the most important thing uh, that we can do in finding our identity in Christ. And so uh, we're excited about it. Mm-hmm. Great. And then culminating with a, a big evangelistic event at, yeah. at the end of the summer, beginning of school, 
one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so we did it last year, and we had some incredible uh, incredible results from that. Uh, I think we had 400 students total between the two campuses uh, show up, and uh, which were by far our most number, uh, mm-hmm. our highest numbers mm-hmm. uh, from that year. And I think we it's where we challenge our students to bring students, uh, mm-hmm. to bring their friends, invite their friends. It's the beginning of the school year. We're kicking it off. And so we challenge them to invite their friends. And then we go hard on the gospel. We, we share it. And we were able to see some, uh, some incredible responses that, that students responded to the gospel, trusted in Jesus, and that it was, uh, it was just really cool to see that mm-hmm. we, we took a step back from something that we've done previously and, uh, and went full force on, on mm-hmm. one night and God showed up and, and did some really cool things. Yeah. If you are a student and you're listening right now and it's almost the end of June, start thinking about who, who are you going to invite yeah. to one night? Um, then if you're a, a parent uh, of a student, encourage your students to start, start praying about who God has for you to invite. Because God goes before us, yeah. and he already knows who's going to be here at one night, and we would love to see our, our buildings packed. Yeah, because it really is on the students. They, yeah. One night is all about the students and, and who they are able to bring in. It's not about anything flashy that we do necessarily mm-hmm. that will bring the students in. It's about those relationships, just like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to be the most impactful, is if those students and those mm-hmm. relationships that they have with their friends invite their friends, that's what's going to keep those students wanting to come back. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that I get often uh, from new people coming to Revolution Church, um, they've either been here as a first-time guest and I call them, or they haven't been here and they're just checking out churches and they reach out. They want to know, number one, uh, what does the church stand for, Uh, especially on some of the hot-button issues in the culture today? Uh, number two, they want to know what are we teaching their kids? What are we teaching in Rev Kids? What are we teaching in Rev Students? And then they want to know who is teaching them. And I think that's really important. And I've said this so many times how our students are in such great hands with Jeremy and Dave. But let's let's dig in a little bit. Who are you guys? Jeremy, how did, how did Jesus change your life? What is your faith walk? Yeah, so your faith journey. Yeah, and it was a journey. I think that's uh, important. I I don't think my story has this, you know, Paul on the road of, to Damascus, <laughs> shining light, and just in an instant, my mm-hmm. life was changed. Uh, I grew up in the church uh, and knew a lot about God. Didn't have a house. Uh, no, no, You're they, just they, in, they, in the church. A, they, there's a closet <laughs> okay. that they, they no. Uh, and my, my uh, grandfather's actually a pastor, okay. and so on my uh, mom's side, and so. Uh, yeah, so grew up in the church. I, I remember being really young and being um, brought in front of his congregation when we would go visit and being asked Bible trivia questions that I did not know the answers to and, and really feeling like a failure. And so like I've let my family down. I've let, I've brought, you know, mm. to quote Milan, I brought dishonor on my family. <laughs> uh, and, so, uh, and so that was some of my early, you know, childhood experience relating to the church, relating to God. Uh I grew up at Westridge Church. Uh, you know, we talked about that. Paul Richardson was here the other week. And so around probably middle school, I started getting really plugged in, and my parents actually stopped going to church. And so they would actually drive me to church, drop me off, and then drive home or go shopping mm. or something like that. And so 
probably from middle school till high school, uh, me and my brother were the only ones in our family attending church. And so uh, a lot of that was where God began to form things in our lives. And it, it was it was a process and a journey the whole way. I remember uh, my senior year at our summer camp, uh, our, our student pastor asking the question, hey, ha- if you could define your relationship with God one, with one word, what would it be? Mm. And that was a big moment for me because I really struggled to find a word. I wanted it to be mm-hmm. passionate. Right. I wanted it to be intimate. I wanted it to be all these really fun buzzwords. But uh, I got to the end of that week, and I still didn't have a word, and, and that bothered me. That left me saying, hey, what, why can't I figure this out? Maybe mm-hmm. there's something missing in my relationship with God. And I think just the the maturity part that's happening as you graduate and you're beginning to do things for yourself. So I, I began to just go on a journey and uh, reading my Bible for myself. What did that look like? And asking questions, finding answers, getting plugged in with a group of guys. And and that really was the catalyst of, of growing my faith. Uh, I began serving in student ministry, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the people who had uh, poured into my life and being like, hey, if I can be uh, like that for someone else, I, I don't know that I'll ever do anything greater. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, started serving in student ministry and just God just began to to grow my faith and grow my relationship with him. And he's still doing it. So good. So good. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Dave Arbogast, South Florida. Yeah. Wanted to be a professional basketball player. No, no, no. I wanted to be an actor. I that's, was, oh, that's right. Yes. I was, I was wanting to do theater, wanting to do something in, mm-hmm. along those lines. And I did not want to be in ministry at all. Um, but just like Jeremy was talking about that it's a journey and that it, we're still on that journey. I think that's that is a very apt way of describing my spiritual walk as well. It, um, I I was blessed to have some godly parents that kept me going to church even when I didn't want to, mm-hmm. and through that I learned, I grew, I, I saw the importance of it. But I didn't I didn't want it to be my career, mm-hmm. and so uh, it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year of high school, after I would I'd been in theater, I'd been in drama my entire life. And I wanted to go in that direction that God radically changed that in my life uh, to say that I wasn't putting him at the forefront. I was putting my wants, my desires, my uh, my interests above mm-hmm. what he wanted for my life. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, you talked about a catalyst. That was a catalyst in my life of wanting to take my faith seriously. And I, I thankfully had some a, a group of friends, guys that, came around me and helped, helped me map that out a little bit. Uh, not, not only that, but I had mentors in my life. So you talked about godly men that have been pouring into my life. I, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad is the greatest man I've ever known. And so he was always there for me. But then my student minister, my, my youth pastor, when I was growing up, he, Jeremy Carlton, he poured into, mm. into me and invested in me and uh, really confirmed what God was wanting to do in my life. And so that was, that was a, a period of my life where I had to take my faith seriously. If, I, if this is what God was calling me to, to lead others in their spiritual walk, you can't lead others if you're not leading yourself right. well. And so that was, that was a catalyst for me. And like you said, it's, it's still a walk, but it has impacted my marriage. It's impacted mm-hmm. my ability to be a dad uh, and, and uh, my ability to be a friend of Mm-hmm. pursuing God constantly. Right. And I still fail at that constantly, mm-hmm. but yep, we he's, all do. he's working on those, yep. on those areas of my life. So you were, you have, you were able to live out the quote from Bob Burns that you shared in your message. Bob Barnes. Yeah. Bob Barnes. Yeah. 
Bob, Bob Burns? Bob Barnes. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I'm sure he gets called that. <laughs> yeah, and that quote is that uh, a parent's responsibility is not to raise godly children. A parent's responsibility is to have their children see godly parents. Mm, and you saw that. Yeah. Mm, very good. Very good. Um, we've talked about students. We've talked about mission camp. We've talked about uh, your faith journeys. But this journey that you guys are on as parents, as dads, is there anything wilder, anything crazier? It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and, and and Dave, by the time you listen to this, he may have uh, already been a dad for a second time. I, I might be running out of here right after this. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> looked at my phone. I probably should. It, it, it's, it's the eight and a half month mark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Sadie's coming anytime now. Okay. So. All right. So... Where where do you see your life shifting now that you'll have two daughters? I, I wish I knew exactly where, <laughs> how my life was going to shift, but I've never had two daughters before. So I, I'm interested in seeing what it looks like to go from double teaming uh, with one daughter and two parents to now having to switch to man-to-man. Yeah. I, this is <laughs> We're going man-to-man defense, uh, which... Zero to one is the hardest transition because you've never had it. But one to two, that's a big mm-hmm. transition too. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. But man, the, the joy that I get from the blessing that God has mm-hmm. given me in, in Riley, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even imagine what that will be like with having two daughters and, and, having, and seeing them interact mm-hmm. with each other. Um, I'm excited and I, I'm hoping that boys are not a thing for a very, very long time. That's... I'm I'm going to be buying a a gun soon. <laughs> well, so this arranged marriage between one of your daughters and Whitaker Ford, That's right. who yep. is Jeremy's son, is is that is that a thing we, is We haven't discussed it. Okay. <laughs> We're still working on the dowry. <laughs> so you've you've uh, been a dad to Whitaker Ford for now 14 months. 14 months. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you what have you learned in 14 months? There's people listening who have um hopes of being a dad. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're always going to be walking into the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different personalities and uh, so many different variables that you just can't plan for. You know, uh, I feel like most people are worried about not getting sleep. Uh, for us, that that wasn't a thing for us. <laughs> Whit- Whitaker has always slept very well. Um, I think he sleeps so well because he's a wild man when he's awake. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I've seen him walk anywhere in the last uh, couple of months since he started uh, moving around on his feet. He runs everywhere. Mm. Uh, he literally tilts his head forward and takes off. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally. Uh, and so, but man, the, the, the joy that he has, you know, um, being able to watch him explore, figure things out, you know, he'll pick something up and, and just be looking at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always just amazed. And there's a lot of times where I am, convicted watching the way that he looks at something for the first time and being like, you know, how have I lost my amazement in Mm -hmm. seeing what God has done and what he's doing? You know, I'm kind of vicariously watching it through him of him just picking up a a leaf and, and looking at the color and seeing that it's different than the other color. And, uh, (laughs) our, our French fry, uh, one of my, my favorite (laughs) stories, uh, we gave him a sweet potato fry, right. And he, uh, had a regular French fry and a sweet potato fry. And he looked at one, looked at the other, threw the sweet potato fry on the ground, <laughs> got the French fry. 
story's not over yet. We then dip the sweet potato fry in marshmallow cream. This is over at Rocco's and Jasper. They have great marshmallow cream. He has the regular sweet potato fry, has the marshmallow cream cream sweet potato fry, licks the marshmallow cream off, throws the regular (laughs) sweet potato fry, and then just starts uh, eating all the marshmallow cream. And so, but like I see the wheels turning. Okay. And and the newness of things. And uh, I just, I'm constantly uh, reminded that God's always doing new things and I should be as amazed as Whitaker is about marshmallow mm. cream mm. at what God, the new things God's doing. Mm. And he's going to get to Thanksgiving. He's going to get the sweet potato pie with the marshmallow on he's top. Re- he's already ready and, for and it. He's going to go, wait a minute. This, this tastes familiar. Yeah. Where do I, where do I know that? Oh, Rocco's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. <laughs> well, you guys uh, are on this journey of being a dad on this long journey as a believer in Jesus, but you're great dads. You're great examples for your students. Um, uh, you great student ministers, and you're both wonderful encouragers. You, you've encouraged me so many times. Uh, we're grateful to have you as part of this Revolution family, and we get to do this together. Can't believe that. So your student ministers, uh, Jeremy Whitehead, Dave Arbogast, uh, that is the Grow People podcast for today. Um, we have a, a whole list of people who are involved in the Grow People podcast. I've heard. Uh, our producer is Brian Damaro. Our uh, key grip today is Tyler. Uh, Jakob Pushtakovsky is not here today. Our head of doctrine and theology is Theologian, or Theologian. Uh, I don't know. Uh, both of them. I've heard it both ways. Uh, our chief evangelist is Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer, of course, is Lukewarm. Um, our translator is Lexi Khan. Our lineage specialist is Genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. That's funny. You guys could laugh. It, you don't have to be silent through these. Um, I don't know. I laugh. I'm, I'm laughing at them again. Uh, our reformed theology advisor is Calvanism. Our expert on Russian ex- eschatology is Pitoff Hell. <laughs> See the, the guys are the, the guys are the guys are laughing. Uh, I'll just skip down here to our staff counselor is Les Moody. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, mm-hmm. some of these are staples. Some of yeah. them are new. Yeah, yeah, they are. This is yeah. Our our giving coordinator is generosity. Um, generosity. Yep. Uh, our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator is from France and also from Israel. Her name is Beth. Lechem. Uh, Lechem. Uh, our co-pastors of plagues are Manny Locusts and Lance Boyles. I'm entertained uh, by these. Uh, our Irish eschatology <laughs> professor is Mark O. the Beast. And a brand new one, uh, director of Western States Church Planting, is Cali, named after your dog, yep. California. So there you go. That's the Grow People podcast as Pastor Jason, uh, who is on sabbatical, says each time, uh, the best advice, um, which is anyone trust Jesus. Take and a nap. Take. There you go. Perfect. See you next time. Mm-hmm.